last time on Almost Heroes. We open with the party still in the Nine Hells with Jargot just finishing his teleportation circle, making their way to the portal. Glenn decides he needs to loot everything, taking the chains from the chain devils, as well as looting Madame March's corpse, taking her armor and her two large katanas. Upon returning to Jargot's shop, we see Jargot scolding Felda for letting Cosmo leave with the Gladius of the Everfighter, Chet. Felda assured Jargot that we left decent collateral, but in trying to take the Gladius from Cosmo, Chet vanishes and reappears into Cosmo's hands. Jargot, furious about the situation, exclaims that we better buy something very expensive, and he is to strike a deal with Cosmo, while Rangram attempts to get more of Jargot's blood. But does end up getting another vial of a, another Rakshasa's blood. After some discussion, Jagat suggests that unless Cosmo can convince Chet to return to Jagat's shop of his own will, he would like us to procure a certain item for him, a shard of the Horn of Grits. Grats? Grits? Grats. Grast. In, in rain room. In rain room fashion. It's fair. Yeah, it's, yeah that guy Grits. Uh, and in the meantime, Jagat would like to hold on to Cosmo's pick. And after a very tense back and forth where Cosmo continues to offer a chisel to Jagat instead of his father's pick, there's some discussion on who would make a better looking rug for the bathroom. With some reluctance, Cosmo agrees to leave his war pick with Jagat in exchange for fi finding the shard of the demon uh, but on Cosmo's terms and Cosmo's terms alone. Felda, taking interest in the cracked heart-shaped gem Glynn had held, eventually strikes a deal with Glynn for 20,000 gold, plus the enchantments he had previously made to his, equi his equipment. And af after only a sh uh, brief goof on Felda's part, their transactions conclude and Felda leaves the shop. The group, with their newfound funds, go on a mad shopping spree, buying a massive hoard of magic items, and Glynn adding some extra gold on top to smooth things over with our extremely bumpy relationship with Jargot. Leaving the unfamiliar, Glynn, using some of his new magic arsenal, makes a whole mess of magic cookies and magic tea, and sends Poe to bring them to the soothsayer in Rockdale. As Poe flies off, the party turns to see Zephyr, who says, I hear you boys need a map. Thank you very much, Dan. That brings us to episode 93, <clears throat> Vestiges. So when we last left off our Almost Heroes story, the three of you had just left the Unfamiliar after unloading a considerable amount of your gold in exchange for some sweet new items. Uh, but on your way out, you were greeted by a familiar but unwanted voice. So I believe we have a bit of business to attend to. You said you needed a map, right? Uh, yeah, I believe I was asked for a map of the castle we're about to uh break in and find the baron a, a book that he's he's looking for so any any intel you might be able to help us with Zephyr would be greatly appreciated you see him kind of uh leaning against the uh the side of the building like just leaning kind of against the unfamiliar 
hand, one hand, uh, you know, the one that's not like towards the building itself is kind of, you can see is just kind of resting just above his like four wands that he has kind of, uh, you know, gunslinger like on his belt. Um, and kind of gives you a, a smirk. You particularly, Glenn, goes, yeah, yeah, I know about your, your mission for uh, our old benefactor, but you know, these, these maps, they're hard to come by and, you know, aren't always as accurate as, as you might like, but, you know, of course, I did my my damnedest making sure that you all be as safe as possible. And uh, you see them kind of uh, wave, uh, pick up one of the wands out of the belt and kind of uh, whip it around, and you see a rolled-up piece of parchment that comes kind of uh, floating through the air towards you from around the corner. Uh, once he said he did his damnedest to get us a good map, I would love to inside check that sentence. Absolutely. Specifically that sentence. Absolutely. Roll me an insight. Bam. Uh-oh. That's not good. Glenn's going to believe it. Unless I... Oh. The rogues. Uh, 14. Okay. Uh, oh, is anyone 15, else... 15, sorry. <laughs> is anyone else rolling one of those? Uh, or has Cos- passive. Cos- Cos- Cosmo wouldn't be. I, I think Cosmo okay. walked out of the shop. I don't know. He's just looking at his new sword. I think Rangram would just take that passively. I don't, okay. don't think he really trusts this guy in general, so I'd just take my passive. That's fair. What's your passive on that? Um, My passive, it's a 19. Okay. Yeah, that's why I, I thought it was pretty incredible. That's why I was I was like, <clears> okay, <throat> let's let's see what we got going on here. Um, Glenn, you... Uh, you do not have the best relationship with Zephyr and you very clearly you're like you know that is in this guy's best interest to make sure that you guys achieve the goal but it's kind of hard to read whether or not that's more important to him than how much he doesn't like you all and wanting you all to be fit in there um, and I don't think it's really easy, really clear to you, um, but you can tell that there, he probably didn't make it as clear as he possibly could, but he may not, you, you can't get a good read on whether or not this person like intentionally made it wrong. Um, you just don't think maybe they, they did it as good as they possibly could have. Um, Rangrim, uh, you just pick up that you think this guy's completely full of shit. Like, just, you're just like, I don't, like, you're like, I don't trust anything this fucking guy says, and I think that that's kind of where you're at, uh, with, uh, with your read on the situation. Uh, is there, and Glenn's gonna scan the map, um, where, when you were putting this map together and kind of doing your, your own recon, was there any points of interest we should look out for any any rooms that you know might tie to you know this is the armory or this is where like the guards stay any anything along those lines do is there a big old star as to where we think the book might be or is this kind of just um a a layout of the map or sorry layout Uh, of the castle yeah uh roll me a uh i know you're scanning it real quick roll me an investigation check Alls, these rolls are alls, uh, but I'm a rogue. 18. Okay. 
Uh, yeah, with an 18, uh, you can see that there are a couple passageways that seem to have been marked, some 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 routes. Um, and most of them seem to come through, uh, enter into and come through into the palace from the arena. Uh, you can see that there are uh, some, they seem like there are some backdoor entryways that lead from the arena into the palace. Uh, and Zephyr kind of concludes that as well. It goes, as you can see there on the map, unless you need me to spell it out for you there, Elf. Looks like there's some ways you might be able to get in from inside the arena. As the palace and the arena themselves are well connected through a number of tunnels, they are watched and they are protected, but you might be able to sneak your way in there. And now, as for where this information comes from, why don't that just be my own little secret, huh? Sure, man. I mean, whoever you're blowing in the back alleys is up to you, bud. And I just snatched the map, or if he hasn't handed it to me already, I just like kind of waved him and turned around then. He's already handed it to me. Okay. Yeah. I mean, you see, uh, then Rangrim, you see uh, Zephyr's face go pretty, go pretty dark and pretty dour. And you see their hand go to one of their wands, um, but stops. Actually, uh, you see their hand go to their wand. Rangrim, what do you do? Ringroom like looks at him. He's like, you know, you can't do that. Uh, roll me a uh, either persuasion or intimidation roll. I think you have a, a bonus your intimidation because of your haggard appearance with the eye. It's like a plus two or something like that. Or we can just give you advantage on intimidation rolls. Well, um, I actually have a plus six to persuasion, which is what I was going to go with. But I just rolled a natural okay. twenty. Okay. Um, persuasion, I, I, we can go with persuasion then if you'd like. Um, so Zephyr kind of looking at you, uh, I think that he reads it in a very different way. Um, I think that you, you read it as, uh, and I'll give you this cause you're nat 20. Um, you can tell that this is a, like, you know, a, an illusion of Zephyr, which you've seen them use a couple different times and you saying you know you can't do that is his he's reading it as you know that this is a projection of him a mirror image not the actual zephyr and that he clearly cannot use it because they he's not right there in front of you actually he can't cast spells from this image so he takes that as like a you've blown his cover uh and you see them kind of falter for a second uh and move their hand away and you see their like the look of surprise on their face for just a second um before they're, they kind of look back at you and goes, well, I wish y'all the best of luck. Be a real shame if something would have happened, y'all. Know you're becoming the, the Baron's old favorites and all. You're right, that would be terrible. Should we tell him that you gave us this map? Just so we, he knows that like, if we screw up, it's because you gave us a shit map. I mean, um, I could call him. I could call him for you right now. All right. Um, I know you rolled an at twenty on that pers on that persuasion, but I'm gonna need. I need. I'm gonna give you advantage, but it roll me an intimidation check. Fair. Ooh, that's a two. Come on, advantage. Uh, that's a fifteen at best. Okay. I think that 
because of the leverage you're using to, you know, intimidate in this way, um, I think that he's wanting to push off the blame onto someone else and goes, now don't get your, don't get your armor all up in a bunch there. You all have any uh, any issues with that map? Just bring it up with Randy down in the sewers. They're the ones that got the uh, that brought the information to us in the first place. I'm just the messenger. Um, and I right, think that, without that name was Randy. 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 Uh, and he kind of with that kind of, um, you know, kind of tips his uh, tips his hat. And in a very curt way, and just kind of uh, dips around the side of the uh, the building, uh, heading towards the alleyway. And even before you see their boot go around the alleyway, you see the illusion vanish. I hate that guy. So it's kind of at the end of the um, alleyway, keeping lookout to see if anybody, any arbiters are heading our way or anything like that. It's like, yeah, he's kind of a dick, isn't he? We uh might want to help uh the Baron find some new staff. Maybe someone a little more privy to our goals and maybe not necessarily Zephyrs. I mean that guy just got it out for us, right? I mean no one likes competition, I guess, but you know, it's generally a little bit of friendly competition, and I don't I don't get a lot of friendly vibes from him, so that being said, probably not helping that relationship too much myself. She rubs me the wrong way. I just always thought he was just a weirdo with uh, with wands and illusions and stuff. But uh, whatever. Well, before we... Because uh, it's kind of... Or what time of day? It's like nighttime, it's, right? It's because nighttime. Yeah, it's it's right. early evening. It's early evening. And we have not taken a long rest or anything. So we're all beat to shit. Um, do you guys? I know we're in the city proper, and we had to kind of break our way in, but we we still have these robes. We might be able to, you know, lean on Callahan to help us one more time get into town. But you guys want to go try to get this book now, or do you want to go try to? see the archivist now before maybe we grab a night's sleep because I think there's uh, opportunities to learn some more information and maybe learn some real information about this castle before we uh, storm in. I mean, I think saying that the archivist would make sense because I'm pretty sure the map he just gave us is shit. Right. And I do kind of want to see any conversation. And I mean, he definitely wants to see us die, so for him to give us a shit map, you know, like, oh, go in this way, and it's like right into a trap or something. Right, or it is good enough for us to get the map out, but not good enough for us to also, or not the map, sorry, get the book out, but not good enough for us to get out. Yeah, uh, pretty much. Yeah, it wouldn't be the first time that either I've done it or I've been a part of sending someone in to bring something to the front door and taking it from them and just locking them inside. So Cosmo, I know you had some interest as well as potentially seeing the archivist, maybe ask some questions 
tied to what's going on with you. I had some questions around our metal friend and his family. Yeah, I think uh, the archivist seems like a, a nice light evening uh, adventure, and you guys can save your uh, book rental borrowing for tomorrow. Okay. Uh, well, looking at the map and understanding how the city's currently laid out, we're a couple blocks away from where the Grand Archive is uh, based off Callahan's instructions. So we're going to need to be not ourselves and moving pretty quickly through this town in case we don't draw any eyes of the arbiters, but I'm still a little a little nervous about casting anything too big considering they have that magic detection. Granted, it's my understanding it's, it's more around the divine space, but I don't know kind of how, how far how high of a spell it, it alerts so maybe i kind of take the lead and help guide you guys through some of these back alleys or how do you how do you guys want to get there we can we look kind of alone in this alley and again he's kind of like looking out on the street no one's really paying too much attention we'll probably throw on some new disguises stay in our robes and work our way over there um the the city since it's nighttime like is it still like active night or what's the What's the city Very traffic like? Yeah, um, it is still pretty busy on the inside, like on this inner city. Um, it's more, you can tell people are more kind of um, dressed for going out. Um, there are a number of restaurants. There's a number of like, you know, places to grab a drink uh, in this place, like higher end taverns, a lot of smaller ones also. Um, and you can see that it's like, there, it's, there's still hustle and bustle, but it's probably at about, 50% of what it was during the day. And because it's early evening, it's not like incredibly late. Uh, there still seem to be a good number of people out. Um, roll me, uh, hmm. BK, you said Glenn was keeping an eye out for uh, arbiters and whatnot. Uh, roll me a persuasion, or a persuasion, to persuade your eyes to see things, a perception <laughs> check. Okay. Um, I would also be looking for any of the, the Royal Guard too, not just Arbiters. Obviously, yep. Arbiters are more concerning, but it's cocked. Dude, I am rolling super butts. Uh, but thank God I'm a rogue. 19. Yeah. Um, I think that you have seen at a distance a couple times, uh, like towards the end of the alleyways, you've seen some soldiers that have been passing by. No arbiters yet, but you've definitely seen there are a number of soldiers that are kind of patrolling these streets, walking amongst the like the the you know the more distended people. Like they're they're more distanced now. They're not like big groups, but you can especially see in the main thoroughfares that run through this inner city, there are definitely regular soldier presence. Okay, um, in my since I'm still wearing the disguise i never took it off um i want to approach the lowest e ranking one someone who maybe looks like they're kind of taking orders um approach one of the the guards that maybe like crossing in front of me um and just kind of like come out of this alley not threatening by any means but just sort of like walk towards them and okay. again still in robes still in disguise mm -hmm. Yeah, what do you look like? Explain, uh, describe it again. 
so I'm trying to remember. At one point, I had a mustache, but that's no longer the case because I threw it off again. So I'm my hair now, instead of being like the shock white, is like a darker shade of brown, um, like almost black, but like darker shade of brown. Um, there, there really isn't much changes to his facial features, but I, I think he's um, not necessarily carrying himself as debonair as he normally would. He's kind of like, you know, he's devout and he's being very pious. He's, you know, trying to like make himself seem smaller than he is. He's definitely not standing at his full attention, but um, I mean, as like, defining is like a shocking white hair is that Glenn has. Um, it'd be a lot more like kind of simple. I see. You're trying to go, um, you're, you're trying to go for like, you know, just the every, the every, the every elf, <laughs> like essentially. Yeah. Like, honestly, if he's leaning towards a, a version of elf, it'd be more like wood elf rather than like a high elf, like trying to, yeah, exactly. Commoner number four kind of thing. Like just Dave be as unassuming. Yeah, yeah, be as unassuming as possible. Um, um, yeah, so he's going to approach the, he approaches the guard and he goes, uh, excuse me, um, would you be able to help me for a second? Sorry to, I'm so sorry. I just have a quick question for you. Uh, yeah, so they're they're moving in packs. Uh, so you can see that you you come across uh, two, uh, two soldiers that one of them seems to be like a, I'll say halfling in stature, um, and then the other one is probably human. Um, and I think that the the halfling is the one that you you kind of approach and speak to the closest one to you. Uh, hello. Uh, what can we What can we help you with? Glenn's trying to like almost wilt in a way that even though it's a halfling and Glenn's twice his size, Glenn somehow presence wise seems smaller. Okay. And he's like, I, I'm so sorry. I, I know you're like really really busy. I'm just trying to uh, follow some of the orders of oh shit, help me uh, what was Callahan's title uh, he's oh god um, the cleric of the seven is there a pecking order to this that I would know about mm, um, let's just let's just go with cleric of the seven um, okay. and say that there he's like a middle ranking uh, cleric of the seven okay, I'll just go with brother Callahan of, of the seven uh, he he told me to deliver this book, and it's a really old fucking throwback, the Tome of Darkness that I got from the <laughs> caves of um, the Evan Depths. Was, uh, he, he told me to take this to the Grand Archive. Do you do you know if they're still open at this hour? I know it's kind of late, but I was supposed to do this earlier, and well, I, you know, I met a nice maid, and I kind of got distracted. I, I'm so sorry, but do you know if maybe the Grand Archive's still open at this hour? Roll me a deception check with advantage. Put down the Cosmo dice. He don't lie. Thank you for that advantage. Um, deception. Uh, dirty 20. Um, okay. I have not rolled above a nine. Um, I, I think that, honestly, they are not uh, incredibly, like, you know, on their guard about you. So, uh, you know, you're just kind of common or someone coming out of the woodwork to ask them a question. Yeah, yes, of course. The the Grand Archive should be still open. They are 
if you head out towards the west side of the gate, I'm sure you know where it is if you've been here before. What, by the way, sorry, what is your name, sir? Uh, I'm, I'm so sorry. I, they always tell me to introduce myself clearly. I'm Dave, Acolyte of the Seven. Seven be with you. Oh, you're uh, you're actually an Acolyte of the Seven. Uh, what is your, um, uh, you know, who's your uh, direct superior? Well, I shouldn't have fit. I'm so sorry, and I hit my head in the, hit my face with the, like, the book. Just like, <laughs> hit myself in the head. Like, I'm trying to be an acolyte. Oh, dear God. Myself. I'm so, I'm trying to be an acolyte, but like, I'm not there yet. And just like, keeps hitting himself. <laughs> blogging with the book. <laughs> roll me, um, oh man. Uh, I'm gonna roll, hold on. I'm gonna roll something. Uh, I think that, I, I think that you see him like try to reach up and like grab the grab the book and is able to like with enough not enough dexterity to grab onto. Because listen, I I get it. You know, it took me a while to pass the exam for the you know to to become a soldier here as well. So listen, I get it. It's fine. Don't worry about it. It's still open. You should be able to catch them there. As far as I know, there's no real hours to it. It's kind of just scholars come and go at whenever hours they want to. It's. It's, you know, it's, it's whatever. You really can't get up to a lot of uh, mischief when all you're doing is, you know, reading books the whole time. So it's, you should have plenty of uh, time to get in there and do whatever you need to. And just, uh, just for your own good, stop hitting yourself with the book. This just can't be good for, uh, you know, it's not going to really as much as, uh, you know, you can't really hit yourself hard enough with it to absorb the information inside. So just, you know, work on, uh, work on some of your, uh, you know, maybe some issues. You talk to, you said Callahan, talk to him. Uh, maybe uh, work on yourself a little bit. Seems like you got some some work to do. But if you don't mind, we're going to continue our patrol and uh, you have a have a good night there. Uh, thank you so much. And I would just be so embarrassed if this got back to Callahan. I'm trying to, you know, be a stronger me and, you know, hopefully the seven's going to guide me in that way. So you know, seven be with you and I hope you're safe. Uh, of course. I- 7B with you as well. And they both uh, they both turn and head off, and you can clearly hear them goes, Did you did you did you see him just hitting himself with the I this is gonna be a hell of a story at the bar. <laughs> Glenn just like immediately, like as soon as they're out of eyesight, just stands up proper and like kind of rubs the forehead and goes down the alleyways like yeah, it looks like we're still in business. Uh, archive seems to be open all night, so maybe we can go uh, meet up with Kel for a little bit and if they might be able to help us track down some information. Perfect. Let's uh, get to going while the going is good. Yeah, lead the way, Dave. Uh, Glenn smirks. You know, seven be with you, brothers. And he just like <laughs> kind of walks out in front of them and uh, start strolling piously trying to again be as like unassuming as possible um yeah uh, just making our way that that towards the are, grand archive are you so what is the route that you're taking are you continuing to kind of dip between buildings or are you walking on the main paths now um so looking at five mm-hmm. uh so looking at the map um if we if the front door is that kind of road in the middle there. Mm-hmm. Lynn would guide the guys hard left to basically like hug the wall and take the wall all the way along 
I see the smaller ass- pathways. Yeah, assuming that it's like you know, there's probably some more guard presence along those paths, but it's it's not in like the main thoroughfare of like everyone we could bump into. Um, that being said, Glenn would be staying like hyper vigilant if if he sees an arbiter even like a hundred feet away, kind of thing. He would. Um, Until that happens. Okay. Um, all right. So you all take this kind of circuitous route over and around trying to get to the west side of the inner city of Goldbreak. And so as you're passing around, you're kind of going along the, the inner wall. You can see like there's, a, there's you know, you run into a few people that are trying to kind of be out of sight, you know, maybe some couples and some, you know, some people that are, you know, maybe their, their night started a little bit earlier and they are just kind of, uh, you know, making their way back to whatever wherever they came from uh you know walking a little bit uh you know kind of side to side and not super steadily um but as you're making your way over there uh you get to a kind of um you get to an area that is you can tell like there is a lot of commotion going on there's like groups of people around and you can hear a lot of kind of like excited talk um, you're probably looking at like a group of like 30 to 40 people that are just kind of around this one building area in particular. And you can tell that like, it seems to be some sort of business or kind of nightlife spot. Um, lots of, you know, kind of torchlit, very kind of uh, ambi- a lot of ambiance going on, a lot of like floating lights of different colors. Um, and you, as you're getting closer to it, you kind of hear like music playing. And then you start hearing some like yelling and the music stops. And uh, what do you all do? It's probably, it's, it's up ahead of you. Um, if you are walk, gonna walk along this continued path, like along the outer wall, you're gonna pass by it and it'll be on your right hand side. Um, you're gonna have to kind of go through, uh, th- this kind of crowd is kind of like partially covering part of that like it's kind of glommed into the actual pathway you're looking to go across um or you can take a you know take a right and you'll end up on the main thoroughfare um but it's for a very short period of time because it's basically just behind location number seven on the map there um uh so someone there's music playing someone like yelled sorry did they specifically yell like stop the music or they were just like yelling you just you start hearing commotion and people uh kind of like uh, roll me an insight check. Wow. Yay, good rolls. Uh, natural 19, so a bunch. Uh, 23. Okay. Um, you uh, you see that, uh, you, you can definitely hear that this is like aggressive yelling. Um, and it seems to be like, you can hear like kind of panicked uh, yells a little bit. And you see that the crowd is starting to like, expand outwards as if they're making an open room in the middle for something that's happening. And are you all getting any closer? Uh, I would probably say that you're probably like a hundred or so feet away um, and it's dark, so you can't fully see what's going on. Uh, do you want to get any closer or do you? Uh, would you like to go a different route? Guys, kind of ask the same question. Uh, do we want to see what the scuff is about? Looks like it could be maybe a, like a big old bar brawl. And he looks at Ray and Grim is like, we're not involving ourselves in the brawl, right? Uh, um, I mean, 
I would like to, but you're kind of the sneaky guy here, so um, I'm going to take your lead, and I'll be on my best behavior. Inside check. <laughs> uh, 15. 16. Am I going to roll against that? Yeah. Deceive me. Decept me. Well, I rolled a 17. I didn't add anything, but I will tell you that Ringroom is honestly going to be on his best behavior. Cool. Uh, yeah, then Glenn is going to kind of guide the guys. I mean, if it like is bubbling out into the street, right? Mm-hmm. Glenn's gonna take them to like circumnavigate the pit that's forming. And um, yeah, as we, I mean, yeah, like, also kind of curious what the fuck's going on so glenn's gonna get the guys close enough where we all can see it but just kind of keep us mingled among the crowd so we can keep moving around it okay um you all get up around the edge and you're starting to especially because glenn you're a little bit taller i think that the uh you know your dwarven companions are having a little bit of a harder time seeing what's happening in the middle of this um this kind of pit-esque shape this mosh pit-esque shape that's kind of opened as this this uh this group has expanded um, but it doesn't take you long to see, Glenn, that this opening has expanded around what looks like was the back of a building that had a band playing on the back porch area of it, and that has now like moved all their stuff off, off to the side because you see a hulking form in like white and gold armor that comes bowing out of the house, and you recognize an arbiter immediately, Fuck. and in their arm, in one hand, they seem to be carrying some sort of like scruffy human, look, like shortish human looking person that they throw across who kind of rolls across the ground. Um, and you see like a couple other people that are in the crowd that look similar. Uh, guys, roll me, uh, roll me history checks. History checks. We're okay at these. Dude, I am so, so bad today. I'll give I you guys advantage 18. on this, actually. Advantage. For reasons that will become clear. Assuming we roll well enough. Ow. I got a 10 and a 14. Oh, good. So bad. I got an 18. Hey. I got a 14. Check out Rangrim with the int roll. Yeah, Rangrim with <laughs> the big brains. <laughs> um, Rangrim. Got some you... new wrinkles on that brain of yours. Totally. New synapses connecting. Um, you, You have seen creatures like this before and you remember them uh from Westreach as the were rats that were running uh, you don't recognize these ones in particular but you recognize that race of of, of creature pretty quickly as you see this this were rat human who comes rolling across the ground um and you see other uh, another couple were rats that are kind of in the crowd itself start to step forward um and then basically like kind of square off with the Arbiter for like a second um, as they're trying to like, they can't get close enough to their friend to get them up. But you see the Arbiter kind of just walk towards this cre- this figure on the ground and pick them back up again and pull like this, this creature up to their face, like this full helmed face that you can just see these kind of like glowing eyes inside of. And you see them just kind of like take them and throw them and you all look up and see 
this were rat clear the 30 foot wall and <laughs> land probably outside um, in the other more extended part of the city. And it takes about uh, half a second before every other were rat that kind of stepped up to square off had just kind of dips, like melts into the crowd like butter and you hear them just running for their lives out of this pit. Um, and are just like, and you just the arbiter kind of like takes off after them in one direction. Um, did they run near us at all? Like, did they um, run towards roll, us or they just kind of scattered? I'm gonna, uh, you guys, how about this will be fun? Um, I'm gonna say, I mean, you guys are on oh, the, well. the eastern side of this, this, uh, this <clears> kind <throat> of like, you know, you came from the east, east direction and are kind right. of on the east side of this pit. Um, roll me, we'll just do this. Um, Pick odds or evens. Evens. Okay. Uh, that is a 14. They head west away from you. Uh, you see them start heading down the pathway um, after the were-rats that all seem to run uh, to the western side. And uh, the, I mean, the, the crowd immediately splits um, and you see the Arbiter take off and you see probably about two to three other guards of different races, uh, soldiers take off from inside as well after them. Um, and then a couple soldiers come out of the inside of this place. You now see has the sign on the back of it uh, that says, what ails you? And uh, you, they, they start just, all right, there's nothing to see here. Nothing to see here. Everyone go home. This is, this is done for the night. Get Glenn, out of here. Glenn, like seeing the, the wear ass and still holding the book acting like he has intentions um, of getting to the archives, kind of leans over to the guys and goes, uh, if we got wear rats in the city, you're gonna wanna keep an extra close eye on your purses because they got shifty little hands and keeps guiding the guys towards the grand archive. Okay. Um, I think you guys like kind of melt into the crowd as it disbands and uh, are easy, easy enough able to make your way the rest of the way. Um, and you're kind of, you know, you're passing by the the front gates. They're kind of to your left a little bit as you kind of come out of this uh, this back like passage that runs along the edge of the walls. Um, and pretty much directly ahead of you, uh, you see a incredibly gilded building. Um, I kind of envision it as like. Uh, kind of Greek in style of architecture, just like the big triangle front with some like, you know, very ornate pillars, uh, you know, white, white marble, like everything else in here, but like, like the gold roof and lots of like gold accents and kind of like a tiered staircase going up to it that is flanked um, on both sides um, by basically like a couple, like four different dragons, uh, statues that are made of different materials. Um, and you you recognize them immediately, even in the kind of like dark light kind of glowing in these like torch lights that are all around, but you recognize one that is, one's made of gold, one's made of silver, one's made of bronze, and then one is made of like a black obsidian. Um, during that walk towards, I, I guess like as we're kind of among the crowd, did I notice anybody that was exceptionally, again, to use this word again, like debonair, except like looked like they were of, the wealthy ilk that lives inside so, the city uh, walls. So, my father kind of person, yeah, basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. A, a Draco um, Malfoy. Yes. Oh, bro, the most Draco-iest <laughs> person that we saw on our walk. Um, Glenn is going to slip a hand into 
one of his just many kind of hidden pockets and pull out one of those defaced statues of the seven. And he's going to just try to drop it into that guy's pocket real quickly and just keep walking. Okay. Um, roll me a, I, I'm sure you'll do incredibly well. Roll me a uh, sleight of hand. I mean, for the sake of not having to roll it, the worst I can roll is a 23. Uh, so 23. <laughs> okay. Uh, so yeah, 23. I mean, yeah. Two, it's, so 23. You're able to sneak in there and you just kind of hear a, a, a quick, um, you know, a quick snippet of their conversation. Just, uh, yes, that's my, that's my Thursday carriage. You should see my Wednesday <laughs> carriage. It's much larger. Uh, Glenn makes mental note of this guy. Just whatever that looks like to you, he makes mental note of this guy. And yeah, if I had okay. Hunter's mark, yeah, that's basically what I'm doing. <laughs> Robber's mark. Robber's mark. <laughs> yep. Mark's uh, mark. Okay. So once Glenn kind of, or once the group uh, approaches the statues of all these different materials, um, he's going to look over to Cosmo and say, um, you know, I'm I'm happy to kind of got us here, but I think it's going to be your your smooth talking that gets us through the doors. Are you are you worried at all that this this place might be too imbued with like kind of the seven, and you might have one of the reactions you had before? Or do you do you think it's going to be okay? Well, it, I think I'll be fine. I don't know. I mean, there's only really one way to find out, right? Last time I went in, it was less. I didn't pass out the first time, or well, the second time. Right. So okay. uh, I think we just try. Okay. And, uh, yeah, well, I, I, we got your back, and uh, Rangram and I are going to potentially keep our mouths shut. Um, remember, we're looking for Kel. She's one of the, the archivists here. Uh and a friend of Callahan, I believe, is how we got that name. Or no, sorry, a friend of Cedric. Uh, mm-hmm. You also Cedric. don't know whether they're male or female. You don't know really anything about them. Oh, did I? Did I just use a joke? Kel is an individual that is friends <laughs> with Cedric, so if you need to kind of drop a name, and I'm going to hand him the note that Cedric gave with the book that said, go find Kel at the Grand Archives. Um, and... Cosmo, I think this is it's kind of where you take over. All right. Then uh, away we go. Okay. Uh, you all walk up towards the the main front, front doors that are, you know, literally gilded and have just, like, depicted scenes of these four dragons um, that are kind of, like, all going in different directions. Um, and you can see that there's like people down below that are all like essentially giving praise uh, to these these four dragons. Um, but as you all push open these doors, um, you are greeted by a pretty incredible space. It is two stories tall and with an upper layer that level that kind of goes like around the edge, but you are seeing like 20 foot tall of just gilded bookcases that are just running in rows kind of like you know the ones in the center in particular because they're going all the way from the bottom floor to the top are pretty incredible like you can see these massive like 20 foot tall ladders that are kind of going up along them but then 
all the way along the side, so you're seeing them as well. Um, but it's like a big re rectilinear room that has like a uh, kind of second floor walkway up above. Um, and it's like, you know, kind of like a big, you know, but like, yeah, the, the middle is all open up to the, the second story. Um, and it's just, it's, you know, grand all the way up, like lit by uh, what looks like kind of magical torches, giving this whole place like kind of this, like, greenish like kind of ethereal glow to it um and that is like reflecting off of the gilding is pretty incredible um and first thing you see when you walk in is just to uh you know just straight ahead of you as soon as you walk in the door you see what looks like a blue spectral figure of a woman who is standing behind a desk and uh just incredibly like incredibly elderly you cannot tell how old they are they look like they are time itself um with these like little spectacles on and uh you see them kind of look at you goes ah welcome to the grand archive what can i help you with my dears yes good good evening uh i am uh seeking out someone by the name of Kel. Ah, yes, there. Kel is around here somewhere. Is there anything in particular that brings you in to see Kel? They are a busy individual. Uh, uh a dear friend of ours from uh, Whitport ref recommended them to uh, help us with some information that we're seeking. Of course, of course. Kel's knowledge is... Uh, basically uncomparable and when it comes to the archive I'm sure they'll be able to help you what uh, what are all of your names so that I can write them down here on our guest list oh uh, this is I turned to Glenn I said, well, this is Dave real small just like hi nice to meet you and uh, I turn to the right and motion to Raindrim, and I say, "Well, this is." Uh... I'm sorry, we just we just met. What was your what was your name again? Um, Jeff. We're digging deep here tonight, guys. <laughs> <laughs> no name generators for us. <laughs> if they have more than four letters, throw it out. <laughs> <laughs> And, uh, well, my name is, uh, my name is... <laughs> I'm sorry, my dear. I'm hard of hearing. What was that? M my name is, my name is... Uh... Uh, I am, I am, I am so sorry, my dear. I, uh, the afterlife has stripped most of my hearing away. Could you repeat that again? It's it's really complicated to spell. You can put whatever in there you like. <laughs> my my dear child, I, it would be very very kind of you to give me something aside from uh, what I'm assuming is about fourteen R's consistent. Well, I mean, you can't really pick your names. Mother just kind of gives him to you. Ah, so you're you're saying you're saying your name is Aru. <laughs> it's very it's very beautiful. Foreign is it? 
I hail from the land of. It Roll is... me a deception check, Bobby. <laughs> you, Bobby, not Cosmo. Bobby, roll me a deception check. I don't know. <laughs> Bobby's really bad at his uh, deception checks, but so that's is Cosmo. That's fair. Hey, okay. Do I have a plus? I don't think so. I assume you do. You're incredibly charismatic. Oh, yes. Uh, 16. It's a power Cosmo doesn't employ often, but when he does, um, <laughs> I think that they look at you and uh, they have a little bit of pity in their eyes for some child named Arur. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna write this down. I'm literally writing down you guys' fake names right now, and I'm gonna write down 14 R's. <laughs> at least it's got more than four. That's actually true. It should only be four. I'm just gonna write down four R's. That, that was the rule. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, uh, so the, the, the three of you, um, this uh, this spectral figure kind of uh, continues to write down uh, your names. You can see them kind of going onto a second row for the R's and goes, yes, you're, you're all, you have all been recorded on here, so you're welcome to make your way through the archive. You should find Kel towards the back somewhere. I would probably assume, oh, just hmm, probably, probably look in the back right, maybe. Uh, I think that I think that they were doing some deeper studying and trying to stay away from the hustle and bustle. Oh, that's very, very kind of you. Um... I uh, I apologize. I've we've never met Kel. It's only been by name. Would you mind uh, describing them to us? Oh yes, of course, my my child. They're tall, gray. Their head can turn three hundred and sixty degrees. Naturally. Naturally. What? Large, large yellow eyes. A small beak. A small beak. Oh, all right. Well, thank you. Thank you. I, I don't think we'll miss him. I, uh, I'd hope not. And, and uh, I'm so, so sorry to interrupt. Uh, uh, what was your name? Floating Blue Lady? Oh, yes. I'm, I'm so sorry. I forget myself sometimes. It, uh, like I said, the afterlife takes some things from you. Uh, my name is Aurora. Right, you are in the afterlife. Okay. I'm, I'm, again, yes, so I, sorry I interrupted. I, stupid, I hit myself in the head with the book. Oh, no need to do that, my child. I uh, there's there's no reason to hurt your, hurt yourself over me. I'm I have been the well the curator of the the Grand Archive for well longer than many people have been alive, and I wasn't gonna de- let even something small like death come in the way of that. I really commend your dedication. Err, I think you were leading us toward, towards the back. <laughs> Go ahead and lead the way. Jeff and I are right behind you. Thank you so much, Aurora. Yeah, right, yes, this way. Um, you see, uh, you, you all kind of uh, head toward, like, 
kind of going around Aurora's desk, um, you you kind of head into the center part of this um, of this library, and you can see like there is this the massive like the tallest bookcase in the place that is kind of running along up through the kind of clear story that you can see with the pathway that runs along the upper level of this. Um, and you can see the staircases kind of in the back and in the front and on the sides as well. Like there's multiple ways to get up to this upper level. Um, and you can see that just these huge uh, ladders that are running along on these kind of rollers and uh, kind of scattered along and not scattered, uh, very, very meticulously placed. There are tables that are running all the way along this kind of um, kind of U or not, yeah, U shaped uh, kind of shape from the front around the main center bookcase. Um, and you can see that there are a number of races of different characters and creatures that are just like nose in books studying, I would probably say like 10 to 15 uh, different people that are uh, seem to be studying uh, late into the night. A lot of them are wearing like robes. You can tell that they are probably, you know, you know, wizards or you know, kind of of the, the, the magically inclined. Um, but there are a few that just seem to be, you know, maybe younger and students and whatever the case may be uh, that are in this archive. Um, but as you are uh, kind of walking towards the back and kind of taking in this, this grand expanse, uh, you can see that there is a, um, in the back far right-hand corner, you can see that there seems to be a kind of larger figure that is uh, back to you. And um, as you're approaching, you can see that they seem to be covered in just these like gray downy feathers that are going all the way down their back. You can tell, tell that they're probably six feet tall at least um and like broad like they're they are their head is probably like rangram's shoulder width um for the scale of them um they're they're very broad um and you can see that they are like turned away from you and seem to be uh deep in focus on a book or some of some sort uh i think Cosmo would approach within, you know, put himself within maybe five to ten feet, not walking sneakily, but, uh, and then would just motion to them, excuse me, are you Kale? Uh, as soon as you say, uh, excuse me, you see them kind of, uh, you see all their feathers kind of ruffle with a, with a start, and their head snaps around and looks directly at you without their body turning at all. Um, and you see indeed these big glowing yellow, like kind of like these eyes are reflecting the kind of like ethereal green light in this space. Um, and these kind of like half moon spectacles that are underneath them that are like probably donut sized with, with how big their, uh, their, their eyes are. Um, and you hear them just, uh, just kind of like through that beak go, who, who who goes there? Well, my, my name is a uh, and uh, <laughs> that's uh, not gonna get old. Not at all. Cattail. <laughs> and uh, oh, my name, and we're here. We've been sent here by our uh, dear friend Cedric to uh, seek out information. Oh yes, Cedric, of course. Oh, um, uh, sorry, I'm. I was deep in deep in my my book here, my literature. Uh, so apologies. Uh, he kind of gets up and uh, like 
you see that they were like, they turn around, get up from the table and you can see that in each hand they had a book. Um, in each one of their like kind of, they, they actually like have, you know, wings that kind of come down, but then they have hands on the end of it like any other like Aarakocra would have. Um, and they're wearing like kind of uh, a, like a doublet, like a, like a, you know, kind of like a vest that is, um, has like a, a pocket watch that's going into it. Like it's very kind of like Cedric-esque styling. Like it's like this kind of, um, like very, let's say it's like a purplish kind of color. Um, and it's like this vest that's like buttoned all the way down with like a hundred buttons. Um, and then they're wearing some sort of like kind of um, corduroy brown pants um, that you can see they're like kind of uh, bird feet sticking out of on the bottom as they kind of step around the corner. And they take both of these books that they're reading and kind of that are incredibly thick tomes and stack them up onto a probably a pile that's about three feet tall. Um, and they, you can just see that there are there is like parchment that is like rolled down onto the floor with how many notes have been taken in here. And you can see a couple other rolled up uh, parchment pieces as well. Oh yes, I'm uh, always happy to meet someone that Cedric has sent our way. Uh, so you said your name is Aurur. That's quite interesting. Not a common dwarven name, as far as I understand. There. Yeah, yes, it's uh, it's New Warden. Uh, you know, it's definitely not Sicorian. But uh, anyways, moving past my. Uh, your friend Cedric sent us here to get to look into this. As he like hands over the letter, because uh, the letter was from Cedric to seek out Kel. Or yes, yeah, so the letter, um, the letter was in response to the research that you had asked Cedric to do about the Goldbreak family and some of the, the history there and the mysterious kind of like disappearances. And um, I I think that like, you know, you hand this this letter over and he goes, ah, oh, yes, I was pre-warned of your, your coming. He, uh, I didn't know what to expect. Are you sure there were, he's, he's looking at you, um, and uh, I'm gonna roll, uh, Cosmo, roll a deception check for your um, for saying what your name was. We did probably didn't do too good. Uh, a ten. Okay. Um, he looks at you, and you see him kind of like those those the piercing like owlish eyes that are looking seem like they're looking through you, almost like they're they're focusing in. Um, and Cosmo, I think you can tell pretty clearly that he knows that's not your name. Uh, he goes, oh, I must have been mistaken, of course. Why don't you all come with me and now we'll, we'll see if we can help you on your quest for knowledge. Um, I think knowing that he knows it, it's just like, he's like, all right, that's not my name. I uh, just, he, he, he stops you, he stops you and goes, I understand someone's need for secrecy. Let's let us speak more openly once we are in a place with less prying ears. Mine aren't the only ones that are able to hear from great distances. I appreciate your that. Uh, what's that? In fact, Glenn's going to do a like perception, an auditory perception check to see if there's any 
like light footsteps kind of in the higher tiers of the library, like see if there's people present um, around us, just to kind of uh, dual case people out. Um, yeah, so uh, you can, uh, yeah, roll me that uh, perception check with advantage. Yeah, so a dirty 20. Okay. Um, with a dirty 20, I think that um, you can tell that there is a uh, a young boy that is, I'll, I'll probably say like, I don't know. They, they, they have kind of halfling features, but they seem to be a little bit taller, like maybe like a half, like a, a three quarters a length. Halfling. Yeah, a three quarters <laughs> length. Um, and uh, and you can see them kind of like you know they have like slightly pointed ears sticking out from underneath their um, their little kind of like paper boy hat. Um, who's like reading a couple different books that you can tell like are very introductory level magic. Um, and uh, and you can tell that like they are definitely listening to this conversation. You can see that like as soon as you look over, uh, you you see them kind of like their eyes snap back down to uh, what they were kind of reading um, in their like scribbly, scrawly notes. Um, but they are, they don't seem to be listening now or at least not actively listening now that you've kind of caught them. Okay. Yeah, uh, I think any any change of scenery, Glenn's gonna be just trying to be kind of a sentry for what might be close to us um, in case Kel thinks we're in somewhere quiet and safe going to uh, try to reinforce that comfort. Okay. So um, Kel basically like leads you all, like picking up their uh, their pile of books, um, you know, kind of underneath one of their arms, uh, kind of stacking their other hand up on top. Uh, you They lead you back kind of through the back part between some of the bookcases. And you can see that there is an intricately wrought wooden door in the wall. Um, and he kind of, you see them go up to it and kind of, there doesn't seem to be a handle on it by any, or like knob of any sort. Um, but as Kel walks over to it, you see one kind of materialize and they turn it and go and basically open it inside. Um, and inside this room, you see a like very lavish and comfortable looking sitting area. Like it's a, like the walls are lined with wooden bookshelves that are just like stacked with books. It's probably only, I'll say like a, maybe like a nine foot ceiling in here, but um, you can see that there are just like, it has like a slight haze of what seems like smoke, like, you know, some sort of like tobacco-ish smoke. Um, and you can see like there is like, you know, ashtrays on one of the tables. And then there are like a number of like leather, like worn leather, like kind of armchairs that are all around this room, um, as well as like a couple tables and desks. Um, and it seems to be some sort of like kind of hidden away, you know, private study area uh, that Kel is utilizing. Um, and he kind of goes inside, holding on to the door and balancing these books uh, as he waits for you all to enter behind him. Glenn, Glenn would enter behind the other guys, but um, the second he does and real, feels like he's in a, a safer place, um, he's going to pull out the rolling pin and he's going to make a batch of cookies for everybody to eat and talk just to <laughs> Hell yeah. lighten the mood. Nice. Um, Rangrim. And Glenn, I think you guys have pretty good uh, 
perception. I think that as you all are going into the room, um, I think Rangram in particular, like looking around and just being aware of what's going on, uh, you catch that boy's eyes on you guys again as you go into that room in the back. Um, just in like, and then as soon as you look at them, they like look back down again and are like, you know, actively trying not to uh, listen, but something about you all has definitely piqued their interest. Oh, you see that, Glenn? That's not very good. Yeah. Wandering eyes tend to uh, tend to be a, a, a bad thing for, for us. I can um, I might be able to create some deterrence for, for that young man. I mean, we are in a place of curiosity, so can't really blame him too much, but I, I think we might be able to handle that. Yeah, I mean, what 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 could possibly go wrong? Uh, Glenn My is going. Phrase. Glenn is going to take one of the cookies, and he is going to out of sight, ideally, of this owly Aarakocra. Um, Aarakocra. Aarakocra. Squeeze one of the sleeping mushrooms onto it and kind of like sugarcoat it and uh he is going to kind of step back out of the room real quick and like open open the door and grab maybe like one of the there's like a plate anywhere or maybe like a like a small napkin and he's gonna just write on the napkin um you're right hold on uh Difficult studies require snacks and leave the cookie on the napkin, like with like right there on the table, just enough for like, he's gonna place it there and kind of like look towards the kid, whether or not he notices, and then he's gonna turn back around and close the door behind him. Okay. And um, he's gonna look over to Rangrip's like, listen for a thud. Uh, roll me either a persuasion or deception check. Persuasion, because I'm not able to see that enough. Um, yeah. Uh, 19. Thank you, Cosmo Dice. Okay. Uh, was that deception or persuasion? Uh, deception for the sake of okay. trying to poison this kid. Yeah. Um, okay. So I think that. Uh, I, I think that you you see them kind of like sneak another glance up at you um, as you as you do, um, and as I think before you see the door shut, uh, you see them kind of like looking at the the cookie, and uh, you see their hand kind of going towards it, um, and uh, yeah, so you all uh, go into the room, and uh, you know, kind of take. I assume each. Are you all sitting down in chairs? Are you who's is anyone staying standing? Like I said, this 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 is like a very like comfortable sitting room study kind of feel. Um, very low lighting and uh, mostly like you know like a not the kind of uncom like the uh, the ethereal kind of light that's in the other room. Like a much more like I think there's probably a hearth with a fire going uh, and maybe some like uh, magically enchanted like lamps that are kind of flickering with candlelight. 
think uh, Cosmo would mostly just be standing for now, just kind of looking around and being a tad bit nosy and and uh, it maybe would just start talking of just I I do appreciate your uh, discretion earlier. Flynn pops a squat in a chair. Flynn's, Flynn's not uncomfortable anymore. Rangroom would be sitting down in one of the chairs, probably on the further side of the room. If he's like almost dozing off, but he's just pumping some cure wounds into himself because he still had lost a lot of blood. Yeah. <laughs> and the adrenaline is just wearing off right now, so he's not feeling too well. This is true. I forgot about that. That's fair. That's fair. Um, okay, yeah. So uh, Kel sits down, kind of setting their uh, stack of books on the table next to him. And you can see that there's like a glass of some sort of amber liquid that kind of slides towards them as the the books kind of weigh down one side of this small table. Um, and you see them kind of take that up and uh, in the other hand, kind of take up this like what we would recognize as kind of like a cigar, but it's just like this big fat, like kind of a rolled tobacco uh, thing that basically you see them kind of take up some sort of like amber spirit and, uh, you know, fire whiskey or whatever else. And, uh, or was it wizard whiskey was the crazy changing color one. <laughs> That's what we did yeah. anyway. Um, whatever amber liquid, uh, and this, uh, this cigar, uh, and kind of starts puffing away on it as uh, he sits down and makes himself comfortable. Goes. So, how is it I can I can help you all? Cedric said that there was something to do with the the gold breaks and some of the history there. Are there any particular questions? I I've pulled most of the tomes that we would need to discuss this and kind of like points over to one of the tables and goes. I've re-familiarized myself with it, but is there, let's begin with some questions and we can dive in from there. Well, uh, I think, uh, Dave, you would probably take the one initial questions around the gold breaks. I think Glenn's sitting real, real small in the chair and kind of recognizing there's a, a safe place and Kel's probably more of an ally than um, either of the guys recognize, just sits up into his normal demeanor, goes, apologize for the deception. Uh, we've kind of made a name for ourselves unintentionally. We're trying to kind of flesh out who we can and can't rely on. You strike me as someone who's more interested in the knowledge than the, the politics, so I appreciate that. Uh, I would hate to join any conversation of knowledge sharing without providing something ourselves. So I wanted to gift this originally to the Grand Archive, but if this is something that you might have interest in, I would love to kind of add to your knowledge. Glenn's going to hand over the Tome of Darkness um, because I think it's only a book that one person's read besides Glenn. Um, so you actually had two books. Um, so I want to clarify which one it is. So you you pull. There was the journal that um, described how uh, the 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 brothers in the Ebon Depths built the um, you know basically built the the bodies that you know that uh, God, Alton oh, One Eye ended up Alton, in. Yeah. Um, so like that kind of dark mixing of like necromancy with 
kind of machinery with like kind of um oh my gosh uh artificing um that right. kind of like dark union um and you also had the book of darkness that you pulled off of a, a shadow sorcerer um that was working for one of the initial uh oh you're right, brother you're right, right. that you met i got those so confused. like that you're right in that, that shadow over that, the artificers tomb or i guess the the book about effectively how to create a like artificer monstrosity and the um marriage of necromancy um, okay and i, I uh, believe that's a one-of-a-kind book um absolutely um absolutely so you you hand this over to uh to kel who like quickly you see them kind of like open it up and, and reading the cover and, and seeing that this is kind of a handmade um journal that is like a you know kind of a, a memoir of sorts of this person uh, in this particular time of their life and is is reading through it, uh, you know, a couple pages deep, you know, quickly scanning. You see their eyes just going back and forth like a, a typewriter. And uh, this is this is quite interesting. Seems like there's quite an interesting mix of necromancy and artificing in here. It could be quite a, quite to be learned. Where did you come across this? Uh, in our adventures is probably the safest way to share that information. I, I I don't know necessarily if there's going to be anybody else coming after this information, and uh, it's it's a little beyond my depths. I've read it multiple times with as much understanding as I think I could get gain from it. Um, but we don't necessarily know who might be coming after it next, and there's a lot of knowledge, or there's a lot of power and knowledge. And having it locked behind a door as grand as the ones you guys have here might be a safer place for it, especially in a likelihood that technology like this could disrupt everything that this this castle has built. Of course. Of course, I appreciate the donation. I'll make sure that it stays in the proper hands. No, no book leaves the archive without a permission of either myself or Aurora. And uh, he he kind of like pulls the, uh, like the, he has like small pocket on the front of his kind of doublet and pulls it outwards. And like, you see him kind of like slide the, the much too large book to fit into this pocket uh, into there. Um, and you just see it kind of, uh, you see him kind of pat the pocket uh, and goes, well, now that we have the pleasantries out of the way, I appreciate your donation, but I must ask, do you do you wish for me to continue to refer to you by the names that you've chosen? I can assure you that within this room, we should not have anyone that's hearing us. The names that were provided to me for who would be showing up here and uh, questioning were different than those you provided. And I just want to be, you know my name, and I would prefer to acknowledge you by the ones that you would like to be known as. Uh, yeah, I think that's fair. Um, I'm sure my friends will follow suit, but you can call me Glenyaris, Glen for short, but Glenyaris Aresius, uh, not from here originally. I'm sure you recognize. So Sephirian, if I, if I'm not mistaken. You are well read. Uh, yes, that'd be the land of Sephir, and again, it would be appreciated if not a lot of people heard that name outside this room. Of course, you have my word. 
Creed. My name actually is Cosmo. Cosmo Stoneheart. Stoneheart, huh? If I'm not mistaken, you were, you did say New uh, Newardian, I believe, and uh, Golden Grimmets, if I'm, I believe that's where that surname resides. It is. It's uh, wonderful to meet Dark you. Darkforge. Grand Grim Darkforge. Ah, yes. From the Underdark, I believe. That's uh, that's that's quite a name, a powerful one at that. Uh, it used to be, and then everything downstairs went to shit. I'm sure you know all about that. Uh, not as much, uh, not as much actual written history comes out of the Underdark these days. But from what I've, what I have heard, and from those who have escaped, it does seem that things are not as they were. The the fall of the Underdark gods. Loth and their ilk has created uh, quite an upheaval of the uh, previous, well, even loose alliances and uh, peace that there was down there. I mean, that's, that's very much the intellectual way of putting it. I, uh, I prefer, I do, I do enjoy your way of saying to all hell, though. It's, it's quite a. It has a has a music to it. So, again, now that we have, we all have been introduced. It's wonderful to meet you all. I, as you know, we uh, have potentially all night. Uh, though it seems that you all have had quite a rough day. So let's get down to it. What can I help you with? So, we, with Cedric's help been able to track down some of the pruning of the family tree that is the Goldbreaks lineage. Um, we currently have a relationship that isn't necessarily interested in restoring that name, um, but could strongly benefit from having some more understanding as to what might have happened. For there to be such a dramatic shift in who runs a city and who has control of a continent. Um, it's, it's not that common. It's, it's, I'm sure you're aware in the history of most continents, it's, it's rare for a family to lose control the way that the gold, gold breaks did you know, as fast as they did. I was curious if you might be able to maybe shed some light on what happened and ultimately Kind of where that family was scattered to we've we've only found tales of one and that was the book that cedric shared with us but through your grand archives here i mean i imagine there's there's more tale to be told of course yes the story of the gold breaks and their fall from power is quite an interesting one and of course of, of much uh, much study as it is where the namesake of the city comes from. I I assume that you are somewhat familiar with it as you have brought it to me. You know that the Goldbreaks were originally in power and that they were originally when the, the families were in their rightful places as they were in the days of old. 
that the Goldbreaks were more of the nobles, the ruling, the Silver Streams were the, the merchants and uh, the sellers and of, of goods. The Bronze Gods were the, the stewards and the protectors and the Black Worms were the military and the warriors, the fighters. Over the years, things kind of, you know, there was a lot of peace for a long time. The history of these families been tied together for so long. But, uh, uh, 300 years ago or so, there was quite a, a shift. People on the Goldbreak side, the there was a, a notable loss uh, in the in the form of a of a prince, and after that, uh, the prince's father Kavarix, uh simply could not get over the loss and wasted away in search of their son. After that, power passed to Paluto, the brother of Kavaris, who served for a short time before they were trampled by their horse, if I'm not mistaken, and passed as well. And it went down the line like that. Uh, Laka, the daughter of Paluto, went next, uh, passing from choking to death during dinner, and so on and, and so forth. You say that, you know, you are right when you say that the gold breaks, you haven't met really any gold breaks. And that is in a way that many families pass from existence. The name ceased to be carried on. And there are gold break lineages still, but they go by many different names now. And the gold break line itself, as far as a surname, has mostly ceased to exist uh, just hundred years ago or so, I believe, the last official gold break passed. Um, of course, when the female members of the line married into other families, they carried the bloodline on, but uh, the name itself was lost. Um, honestly, that was mostly by design. There is a rumor that, as you said, you noticed many of the untimely deaths in the gold break family, there have been rumors of a curse for hundreds of years now that seems to be prevalent within that family, a blood curse of sorts. That's only rumors they've never proven, but it seems like a lot of the members of that family were content to let the name die. Uh, loss of a prince is rare. I mean, it's almost unheard of. Is there a reasoning for the loss? Is there a, a theory as to what happened to them? Did they just one day leave? <sighs> According to the history? Prin the prince themselves, uh, they bring Goldbreak. They were a, <laughs> from the stories told, uh, rather rambunctious and rebellious sorts uh, sought to forego uh, their time on the throne as many princes, you know, from time to time have those who are destined to be placed into power uh, rebel against it and strive to make their own destiny. And that's indeed what Bryn did. 
they set out on a quest, it was, it was said, and never returned. Uh, they were found later. Uh, their body was uh, found ravaged and destroyed along with many of their other uh, companions. And the item in question that they had been transporting uh, seemed to have been lost. little rebellious phase to find yourself on the wrong side of a dragon, right? Um, it's, it's, quite an, it's quite an unfortunate series of events. There are stories of claims of anything else that people, beings, creatures, saying that they were indeed Bryn Goldbreak, but, you know, with anything else, when someone goes missing or passes away, people tend to try to, you know, fill those voids. Do the gold breaks have, right? I mean, I'm obviously not from here. Do they still have a rightful stake to the throne? If, you know, a long lost Bryn came along, I mean, 300 years ago, of course, but, you know, say we find his great grandchild, whatever it might be, is there still a stake at the throne for the gold breaks if they can prove that they are who the other liars have said they were? You see, um, you see them kind of like taking a sip of their their amber liquid and kind of uh, sets it down and, and uh, takes a, like a long puff off the cigar and looks at you. That's uh, quite an interesting and kind of specific request question. Uh, roll me a, uh, I mean, he's gonna roll an insight check on you. It's very good. Um, Glenn, you can tell that they are kind of seeing past this, this question that, and kind of able to guess that you know a little bit more. You're welcome to roll, um, kind of a, I, I would say deception, even though you're not trying to deceive them, if you want to try to hide it um, more than, or if you want to just be okay with the fact that they kind of know. Glenn, Glenn gets kind of a wry smile to his face, says, ask your questions. If there was a great, great grandchild or the Somehow we could go back in time or Bryn could go forward in it. And we're able to be here today. Yes, if you were able to prove a lineage, there would be a stake to the throne still. The Blackworms have been ruling for some time now, a few, a couple hundred years or so since the the Goldbreak line was officially broken, uh, and the other families, seeing what had befallen the Goldbreaks, seemed to choose to not rise to the occasion. Many of the other families, the Silverstreams and Bronze Guards in particular, were always more of a, they were content to be kind of support and more than they wanted to strive to be empower themselves. Um, and the Blackworms, for the most part, were, as you said, soldiers and, you know, 
They were warriors, strong, powerful military heroes that defended this 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 you know country with with honor. But Perseus, they were bold, and when it seemed clear that there was no one that was going to rise to the throne from the Goldbreak side and from the Silver Streams or Bronze Guards as well, Perseus took upon themselves to become go from a just a military commander to being the first Black Worm Emperor about 200, about 200 years ago or so. In this hypothetical world we live in, where there is a legitimate claim to the throne through Goldbreak, is there still allegiances to that name that you know of? Or has a lot of that caste system, if you will, has that diminished, has that faded away? Dedication to the gold breaks is, it's weaker than it was, but of course we, we exist within a city that's named after them. So there will always be a certain level of loyalty to them, even if they are no longer around. I believe that were a true heir of the gold breaks to emerge, uh, it would of course ruffle some feathers, but maybe it would be something that with the right campaign behind them could potentially make a claim to the throne. I would assume that Moff, our current emperor, would not take it lying down, but uh, it's been a long time since uh, the Black Worms were the the military heroes that of, that they once were, and uh, there has been uh, I don't know there there could be a claim for sure, but it would it would take quite a bit of proof to usurp the Black Worm line. I apologize if it seems like usurping is kind of where this conversation was leading purely fans of history here um, mainly interested in kind of getting to understand this new this new continent that we're part of so definitely don't don't want to make you think that there is plans for any kind of usurping um, on another topic um, and you know, take this with a grain of salt because it's probably going to directly conflict with what I just said about not trying to usurp it. But the wealth that it's exists, usurpy. yeah, the the wealth that exists within Goldbreak is is amazing. I mean, I've I'm sure aware of sort of how the oligarch of Zephyr exists, and it's more of a you know, there's a power structure at the top. A lot of the wealth is distributed <laughs> upwards, less than downwards. Um, the, the castle itself is truly awesome. Goldbreak as a city is is massive and ever expansive. And part of why I wanted to come to you in the first place was kind of get a better understanding of, of some of that history. And um, we have kind of a challenge presented to us from another 
call him an accurate play um, that requires us to maybe spend some time in the castle unobserved. And I was curious if you might be able to, same way we've lended you new knowledge, be able to lend us some in a similar vein. Um, and with that, and your understanding of, I'm sure these archives and all the, the information that's been stored around the building of Goldbreak and its, its rise to power, both physically and figuratively. Um, is there any information you could tell us about the castle itself, about uh, the Imperial Palace, about ultimately, I'll be honest, we need to take something from the castle. We need to borrow something from the castle. And it's a a test, if you will. And I'm not going to tell you what this thing is or who has requested it, because those details aren't necessarily important unless you want to know. But a challenge has been laid out in front of us that I don't know if it's something we can necessarily do with the, the current information at hand. And as someone who values information as highly as you do, don't strike me as someone who'd send out fellow enthusiasts for knowledge into the blind. Well done. I love it. I love the way that you were able to kind of work your way around that. Uh, it was fantastic. Um, I'm going to give you a persuasion check with advantage to to, to dictate this. Great. So I was like, I'm not going to kill the king. Also, how do I get to the king? <laughs> how do I get to exactly them? Yeah. The emperor. Uh, emperor, sorry. I get into their bedroom. Speaking oh. of not or serving, how do I find where they sleep? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, really, really good. You said persuasion or just, yeah. sorry, just persuasion. Persuasion. Uh, yeah. That is a uh, 17. Okay. Yeah. I think that you took them on a journey. You see their eyes get wide a couple times. You see them kind of like different different emotions the, the, throughout this roller coaster of a, of a persuasion ch- uh, check that you basically just did it with them. Um, and I think that they they sit back in their in their chair, kind of. Uh, you hear the leather kind of like groan a little bit under their weight as he as he sits back to kind of sweeten the deal. Glenn's gonna use mage hand and grab the brackish liquid and float it and kind of top off his cup and set it back down <laughs> as he gets comfy. Um, I, I think they, they appreciate that kind of uh, giving a little bit of like a, like a little bit of a, like a titter that kind of comes out as like a light, like Ooh, kind of <laughs> a kind of thing. Um, but they, they sit back and they grab the, uh, they grab the glass a and take <laughs> the one or two drinks um, from their glass as they, uh, as they lean back. And they take a little bit of time to kind of digest this and then responds with, that's quite a, a both obscure yet direct request. And while most of the time I would be wary of what someone would be doing, uh, I appreciate and applaud your transparency and honesty. I agree with you. I would not want to send you all into the blind on whatever this mission that you all have been sent on. I don't think that that would stop you or deter you in the slightest. It might just 
end in your on an inevitable death uh, a little bit easier. Yes, there is information that I can provide on the, the structure of the palace. But you did pique my interest with one thing, and as the historian uh, in me, I hope that you will uh, allow me to give you a little bit of history on the, the palace before we go into the nitty-gritty of maybe a way in. The families, the gold breaks, the silver streams, the bronze guards, and the black worms. Do you know where their names derive or where history and legend tells where their names are derived from? I I don't think Lynn would. I, uh, outside of like fables, unless it's like really well known among. Yeah. I don't think people. that this is something that particularly, because you guys are not super, like this is like deep lore on the families themselves, not really common knowledge about Sakal. Unless it's like information needed to survive ultimately. I don't think Lynn would necessarily know. Okay. Um, I don't know if anyone else, uh, Rangram, I mean, Rangram was like down under dark. I probably, he probably wouldn't know that much. I don't deep think lore. Rangram wouldn't know. And Cosmo having come from New Arda, like probably wouldn't know either. Okay, so. Dan has a good idea. <laughs> Rangram, not so much. Uh, as I, as I suspected, it's, it's not as common knowledge as it maybe once was. And of course these are legends uh, from long, long ago. These names, it is said, to have originally derived from patron dragons that the families themselves, the progenitors of these families followed as if they were deities themselves. And it was through these gifts from these dragons, these dragon gods, that Sakal and Goldbreak was born and was gifted to them. You say that Goldbreak is impressive, and that's true. And that is because, as lores would tell it, it was built from the hordes of four dragons. And the gold that you see here adorning the buildings themselves was a gift from the originals. Goldbreak, Silverstream, Bronzeguard, and Black One, the patron dragons themselves. That is the story as it is told. But of course, we are talking hundreds upon hundreds of years ago before now. And those dragons, those patrons have never been seen in living memory, as far as anyone knows. No one knows if they're still alive or if they have passed on long ago or if indeed they ever really existed or whether or not this is all some fairy tale to appease the masses. But either way, you're looking for a way into the palace. There have been over the years, of course, being as old as it is, many coups and different ways that have been found to enter the palace for one way or another. There are, of course, hidden exits and entryways that exist for use of the emperor and the emperor's closest uh, advisors and family. 
But most of those are under such magical and constant surveillance and protection that I doubt you'd have any way of getting in. There are passageways that lead in from the arena, but many of those are highly protected by magic as well as they are some of the most obvious ways into the palace and enter into the main most thoroughfares. And now he's looking at you all. He goes, before I give you any more information, I need to know one thing. Do you intend any harm to the emperor themselves or to any of any living creatures within the palace? I'm not looking to provide an opportunity for an assassination or for anyone to get hurt. I applaud your seeking of knowledge and can turn a blind eye as hard as that may be for you to complete your mission. But that is as long as no one will get hurt in the process. Can you assure me that? I can, with the utmost honesty, which you can ask my friends here, uh, from me is not always the forefront of my conversations. Uh, tell you that they're our intentions, our, our business with the palace has no harm towards any living or dead individual. I say dead because we met a ghost like 30 minutes ago that was just as alive as any of us, but we, we were presented a challenge that did not entail any bodily harm. And a challenge is only as challenge like that is more difficult and more impressive if done without the harm of another person. That being said, there might be a couple, you know, difficult headaches in the morning, barring anything too uh, chaotic and violent, but we, we don't have a plan by any means to hurt anybody. Our, our goals will be purely to get in and get out, ideally without anybody knowing us or knowing we are ever there. He is looking at you, uh, Glenn, and then kind of looks to towards you, Rangrim, uh, seeming kind of expecting to uh, have you kind of confer or tell them the same. Well, um, well I mean... He's right. I mean, we're not like you're, we're not some form of cutthroats or assassins sent in to do nefarious things of that nature. We're going in because we got to do a thing uh, for a guy. And our point is not to hurt anybody. But I mean, if you take my meaning, we defend ourselves. Non-lethally, of course. Of course, of course, you know, with the utmost discretion. Uh, yeah, he looks to, uh, looks to Cosmo last. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, no harm intended to, uh, any of the royal family 
or their uh, confidants alike. Uh, I, uh, I mean, I certainly can commit to some kind of uh, m magical proof were it needed. He, uh, he kind of looks at you all and, you know, still that, that kind of piercing stare from those big yellow eyes um, and then kind of waves a, waves a feathered hand and goes, magical proof will not be necessary. I am pretty good at reading people and I trust all of you in what you've said. With your assurances that no one will be hurt, I think that one of the most likely ways to enter the palace is going to be from underneath. The sewer system itself is well, well maintained, is one of the, uh, I would not say the pride and joy of the Goldbreak Palace. It has been in disrepair for some time and the protections down there, mostly because of the fact that very few would choose to enter in that way uh, is minimal at best. You might run into uh, more were-rats and some of the darker denizens of Goldbreak down there than you would up above, but for the most part, the soldiers and guards themselves will give it a wide berth. So if you are able to keep your, you know, <laughs> keep a, uh, a hefty clench over that nose and uh, make your way through the sewer system itself, you might be able to find a way up through the bottom of the, the palace that will lead you in with hopefully minimal protection and no detection. I appreciate that. Can you um, maybe take a look at some some information that was handed to us and maybe highlight what that route would look like or, you know, with your intelligence, point out any glaring issues with this information we're presenting to you. And he's going to like lay out the map on the table. Yep. Absolutely. Um, I think that I'm not even going to make you guys roll for it at this point. I think he's fully on board. Um, and I think that you've piqued their interest and you see them go over and uh, get up and, Pull, uh, pull like a, uh, a heavy tome off of the pile and just kind of dust just poofs out. Um, and he kind of sets it down on the table, uh, sliding the, the whiskey glass uh, like off to the other side and um, opens it up and kind of like smooths your parchment out, your map that was drawn by uh, Zephyr's, uh, you know, kind of informants uh, off to the side of it. And you can see that next to it in the book is what looks like a diagram of the sewer system beneath uh, the castle itself, the, the palace. Um, and you see them kind of like looking at both of them and goes, now you'll have to take for, for granted this was a couple hundred years ago and there might have been some minor changes to the flows, but this is the last known record of a major update to the, the sewer systems. And at some point they stopped cataloging them for protection. I believe that if you go in and he's kind of like circling a couple places, he's like above here and above here are the more private chambers of the emperor. 
it will be probably more difficult to enter directly into them. But if you were to choose, and he's kind of like pointing off to like a couple on the side, they're like in that general area, but not like, they're more like kitchen area-esque things, like more servant quarters kind of uh, areas. He's, uh, he's like, you might have an easier time and these will be less protected and you'll be close enough uh, to the inner areas that you hopefully will be dealing with minimal soldier interference uh, because you will already be kind of within their realm of uh, guard, you know, of their patrols. So I, I would, I would think that maybe, and uh, like of these like three that he's pointing out, he's like, I think these might be the, well, the, the your best bet. And again, I say, take it with a grain of salt. These pathways, and he's kind of drawing these like these lines on the on the map that are kind of like cross crisscrossing underneath, kind of outlining the entrance ways that are all seem to be kind of coming from the north and east side of the arena itself, like from the arena side uh, underneath that. Um, from the out, outside of the walls themselves, um, you can see that that's where like the entrances are. Um, you see that they probably flow out directly into the uh, the outside of the walls, um, into the kind of less uh, you know less affluent parts of Goldbreak. Right. Um, and uh, he kind of points these out and is drawing these things. Take it with a grain of salt, as these are older, but at least one of these pathways should still be able to take you in. We we okay. we greatly appreciate the assistance. I I hope you never have to necessarily see us again. But if there's anything we can, any information we can share with you of our journeys, or I mean, I'm a big fan of favors. So if there's anything we can do for you, any any information, any tombs tombs tomes of knowledge that might be a little bit outside of your, your feathered grasp. Um, I'm, I'm one to procure and I'm happy to extend that to you. I'm Cedric would probably champion that as well. And he's a friend of Cedric is a friend of mine and a friend of the grand archive. As far as I'm concerned, your thirst for knowledge is, is a, is a powerful one and you are welcome back here anytime. By any name? By any name, or other. Cosmo blushes. <laughs> <laughs> um, roll me uh, perception checks. I am so glad we're not in combat because these have been such butts today. Uh, 18 for Glenn. Okay. These are bugs. Um, 18. <laughs> well, I'm a rogue. Uh, 17 for another Cosmo. two. Uh, 21 for Rangram. 21. Okay. Um, you you hear a, um, like, what sounds like there is a kind of a commotion of voices that seems to be um, outside in the, just like outside of the, the door area that you all are, you know, the study that you all are currently in. Um, and you see... Um, you see Kel kind of uh, stand up and uh, excuse me one second. Let me let me make sure that everything's all right and go heads towards the door. Um, and you see the door handle kind of like it was always on the inside, so like it didn't materialize underneath his hand, but like this uh, you know gold doorknob. Um, and he opens it a wide 
and kind of like leaves it open and goes, oh dear me, uh, is, is everything all right? And heads kind of like heads out of the room um, in the direction of the kind of like raised voices. Not like raised voices, but like concerned like babble you can hear. Lynn is gonna quickly stand up and start walking or kind of follow him in suit. Um, yeah, Glenn's going to kind of join the hullabaloo, um, okay. but taking on the, the demeanor of Dave, again, small and pious and I'm assuming. Okay. Um, Glenn, uh, you, is anyone else following or are you staying in the room? I don't think Cosmo- Ringroom would, would yeah. motion like towards the door, staying behind Glenn, but Rangram's taking a much much more aggressive posture, but I'm staying like behind the door. Like if it's an in swing, I'm on the opposite side of where it's swinging in, so nobody's gonna see me if the door opens. Um, I don't yeah. think Cosmo can pass up an opportunity to be of potential help to somebody, so he's, he's interested. Okay. Um, all right, so you all head out into the room and as probably Glenn expected, um, you see a small quarterling, uh, three-quarterling boy uh, who has <laughs> fallen to the ground, his, uh, his, paper, uh, his, his paper boy hat askew, um, a, a half-eaten uh, cookie kind of like in, clenched, uh, clenched in their hand. Um, and you see next to them, uh, you see someone who has, uh, Glenn, you recognize it immediately um, as an alchemist kit that is out. And you can see that they are doing uh, tests on whatever is inside of this thing. Like you can see like this gnome that is just like literally popped open like this briefcase that has like all of these, this alchemist uh, stuff going on right there. And is looking around, you see like these different smokes coming out of it. Um, and as the three of you come out of the room, uh, you see, uh, you see Aurora, who is kind of uh, floating, uh, floating back behind this like kind of gathered group, who is kind of like around this fallen boy, um, and you see leading coming behind her. You see two soldiers, um, and she points directly at you, Glenn, uh, and goes, "That's the one. That's the one right there." And um, Glenn, from out of the shadows to your right, you feel a heavy, heavy hand land on your shoulder. And as you look up, you look up directly into the face, the helmed face of an arbiter that just says, hello, Dave. And that is where we're going to leave the session tonight. <laughs> oh. Man, Aurora's a snitch. Niches. She's been Hello, there to protect Dave. the the Grand Archive. That's I what know she, she only for. cares about the library, but I, I mean, I just wrote a note and put down a cookie. We didn't even, they're all worried about. We didn't even make that much noise. I don't know what the big deal is. <laughs> I'm afraid I can't let you do that, Dave. <laughs> <laughs>
Thank you for listening to the Almost Heroes and their mostly 5th edition D&D adventures. We post new podcast episodes every Monday, and you can catch us live on Twitch every Tuesday at 7 p.m. PST at twitch.tv slash bangerangbobby. See you there.